So tonight is ladies' night at the Georgetown Church of Christ. So we're going to study Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. In our sermon this morning on real men, we got to see the origin story for men. Now we're going to see the same origin story for our ladies. So what we will do is we will read this passage. I'll invite one of our sisters to give us our first reading from a translation that they happen to have handy. I'll then do a second reading for us from the English Standard Version. And then we want to retell as we read these short little verses that describe for us the beginning of women. What does this passage say? We want to discuss some of the details that really stand out to us. And then we want to answer four questions from this passage in our time together. What does this tell us about God? What does it tell us about people? How will we personally put this into practice? And who needs this? That we will tell. So just to preempt a couple of things, uh, obviously when we're talking about being a godly woman, that is not something our men will practice. Ha ha, made the joke for you, now you don't have to, beat you to it. However, as I pointed out in the sermon this morning, even though we were talking about men, there was a lot for our sisters our wives, our mothers, our grandmothers to think about in terms of helping us be the men God created us to be. So brothers, it's your turn. You may not be a godly woman, but how can you raise daughters and granddaughters? How can you cherish and protect your wife so that she can be a godly woman? So that we can participate in this discussion fully. And when we talk about who needs this that we'll tell, feel free to be broad with that. It can be something specific from what we're looking at tonight with women. You could pull on something that we talked about this morning for men. Just something from the day, as you've thought about it, as we've studied these passages of Scripture, that you could see an opportunity to try to share with somebody as we start a new week. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we want to be insistent about having our ladies go first as we move into each part of the study tonight. Uh, ladies, if you do not accept me on the offer, I will stand here and stare at you till somebody does. So, go ahead and get over the nervousness. So, which one of our sisters would be willing to give us our first reading of Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25? Susan's got us. Thank you, ma'am. Revised Standard Version. Revised Standard Version. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be Thank you very much, Susan. There were so many ladies ready to take me up on that offer. Would one of you do our second reading as well? Ashley, you want to? Chris had it first. Chris, go for it. Give us that reading. What translation are you coming to us from, Christine? This is New 
King James. New King James. Thank you, ma'am. Susan and Christine very much. So which one of our sisters wants to get us started with summing up this passage, after which anybody, male or female, can add other things to our summary? But who wants to get us started with our summary, sisters? If you had to put this in your own words, what's happening here? God didn't want man to be alone. Right? He specifically saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Now, if we put this end of Genesis chapter 2 in the context of Genesis chapters 1 and 2, has that word good popped up prior to this as the creation of the world is described? Yeah, right? At the end of each day of creation, God says, it was good, it was good, it was good. God creates humanity. And back in Genesis 1, gives sort of the broad brush strokes. It refers to male and female even there. And then, it's very good as God sees all of his completed creation with man and woman in it. So now here in Genesis 2, we get to drill down a little bit deeper into some of that story of the creation of man and woman. And isn't it interesting that it starts with God himself recognizing, oh, this is not good. First time that's been said in creation. And it's not good for man to be alone. So as God recognizes that, he creates woman. As we read that, what were some things that stood out to you about it? Lance. All right, so we see that significant of a helper. In fact... In the New Living Translation, which is more of a thought-for-thought translation, it does that um, that phrase of a a fit helper as um, one who was just right for him. I thought that was really interesting. So we see that being a fit helper being just right for him. Lance? It's interesting to me we hear over and over again that the dog is man's best friend. But you see every animal on the earth came here and God said, none of this works. Yep. Yeah. So you see there that there is a bond between the man and the woman that is unlike anything else in the world. And that's been true from the beginning. 
One of the details that I find striking is when you, you look in there, and he gets to that part that gets quoted often in the New Testament, but where he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. That's actually, as Moses is being inspired by God's Holy Spirit to write this in Genesis, he's explaining, like, and y'all, that's where marriage comes from. Like this story that I just told you about the first man and woman, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's saying, by the way, that's why y'all do that. Even now, all this time later, and that was back then. So even now, all this time later, the reason that y'all grow up and leave your family of origin and get married is because God designed it that way. From the very beginning, from the first man and woman, that's there. Our um, minister that officiated mine and Ashley's wedding had this beautiful, beautiful line. And I remember it because it was such a special day. And I remember it because it was such a powerful line. And I remember it because my uncle brought a video camera and recorded it. So we watched the DVD of it every year. Um, But he had said in there that of all the blessings of Eden, marriage alone has survived the fall to come down to us. And I love that. And when you look at all the things that sin messed up, but marriage was before sin. A man and a woman coming together was before sin. And we still get to participate. That still gets to be part of our experience even after the fall. So you just see God's goodness. There's something really beautiful about a man and a woman. Other details. Gwen. So what do you think that means? There's certainly like the surface meaning, like, but let's unpack that a little. What's the significance? Because most specifically included that, right? So like they were literally not wearing clothes. So I mean, it's descriptive. But what does that tell you about the state of the world? What does that tell you about the state of the relationship? That they're naked and not ashamed. Nothing was hidden, Amity says. There's no sin. And that means there's nothing to be afraid of, Right? Nothing to hide, nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be embarrassed of. In the absence of sin and in the presence of God, a man and a woman can be completely open with each other. And it's safe. He's not going to make a stupid comment about the way she looks. She's not going to say something condescending or demeaning to him. They can just be themselves. And it's peaceful. It's perfect. Nobody has to feel embarrassed. Nobody has to hide. Nobody has to worry. That's God's design. That's what he wants our relationships to be. Now we know that's not the way the world is now, as we're all sitting here wearing clothes. Because of the fall, yes. Because of the fall, thank God. And as the story unfolds, it is literally, thank God, because the best we could muster was a fig leaf. And some of us have outgrown fig leaves. <laughs> an awful lot of fig leaves for us. We're American. We like to supersize. But, um, but God provided. But when you see that as the gold standard, right? When you see that this was what God wanted our relationship to be. Something really beautiful there, right? Something to aspire to, especially as a Christian husband and wife. I want to be that kind of spouse that my spouse can feel completely at ease with. 
that my spouse can feel completely safe with. I love David Cochran Heath. His reading of ESV is my personal favorite. So I listen to that exact one all the time, Crystal, so don't feel bad. Like I, that is like my favorite. That is my go-to on my audio Bible. So. Kristen Getty's on there, too. She's got a real thick Irish accent, though, and I, I like David Cochran Heath. Other details that stand out to us about it. Adele. Did you notice that? I thought that was such a fascinating point too. Because when you go through Genesis 1 and 2, the man is formed to the dust of the ground. And even in what we read, when it's describing the man's job of naming all the animals, it mentions where all the birds and the beasts were made and where were they all from? The dust of the ground. But the woman, she didn't come from the dust of the ground. My interpretation of that is God literally made women special. Do you see that? Right from the beginning, God made women special. There is nothing else in this world that he created the way he created women. And let's talk about how he created women. Because we know the rib thing, and we've all heard the thing growing up about, oh yeah, man's got most ribs in there, and just all that sort of stuff. But if you think about the significance of that, if you think about the relationship between a man and a woman, what might God have been doing by making the woman that way? What do you think that might mean? Anybody? I'm glad you said that because you remembered it more thoroughly than I did, Christine. So you recited that perfectly. And I'm so glad that you shared that. So you get that sense of position. And it's not, I'm better than you, woman, go to the kitchen and fix me a sandwich. Like that's not, that's not the picture there at all. It's at the side. It's being together. That's how God created the woman. So that from the get-go, man would be inclined to be like, oh, I want to love this. I want to take care of this. I want to protect this. And woman from the get-go would be like, this is my guy. I'm here with him. That there'd be mutual delight and desire for closeness. Brothers, when your wife has had a bad day, and she's telling you about it, Have you reached the point in your marriage that you've learned what you're supposed to do then? What are you supposed to do when your wife is telling you about a bad day or something she's stressed about? Listen. Right? Now guys, we talked this morning, we're action-oriented. We like to solve problems. So we have a hard time with that. But when you look at how women were created... God literally created them to be right there. So when we recognize this about the design, there's 
a desire that they're going to have for closeness. There's a desire they're going to have to be heard, to be seen, to be appreciated. So if that's the way God created them, we need to make sure that we're mindful of that. That we don't always just go right into solving things. I had an experience. I was trying to decide if I was going to do my, I won't tell you his name, but his initials were, but I'll, I'll spare him. But I had an experience one time where another church leader and I were meeting with a young lady who was very distressed about some past experiences she had. And she got maybe a minute and a half into describing her distress. And he went, well, I think I've done what I can do, so you just keep talking to Dan and let me know if there's anything else I can do. And he left. (laughs) So it was me and the young lady. Because as guys, that makes us uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, when we've got a crying lady that's all like, like, we're just like, oh, just tell me you need something and I'll do it. But like, just sit and listen while you cry. Like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. And we can be the most spiritually mature guy and it can still make us uncomfortable. But this is part of where we're learning God's design and realize that sometimes that's just what she needs. But I don't want a mansplain. Am I on track? Okay. Am I on track? You want to be seen? You want to be heard? You want to be appreciated? Not overstatement? Does that feel Okay. So you see that. You see that in the design of God. You can appreciate the implications that when we recognize the way God has created us, how it plays into how we relate with each other. Any other details before we start getting into our four questions? Lance. I see you. You're my dude. So ladies first. What does this tell us about God? He did. He absolutely did. God has a plan for us. What else do we see? Yeah, so Debbie makes such a great point about his deep love and his protection for you as women. I also feel that as a guy. Because, so he made the woman from a rib. So that shows control, that shows power, that shows wisdom in the design, the closeness that he was building us in with so that from the get-go we had this affinity for each other. But what did God do before he took the rib? He put him to sleep. So he's got all this power, and he's got all this control, but he's so compassionate. He's so gentle. He healed him. He closed it up. Yeah. So he loves us. He actually wants what's best for us. Right? So you just see this power that God has, but also this great compassion that he cares about us. How else does he show us that he cares about us in the passage we read? 
And it goes back to what Melody said from the get-go as we summed it up. Why was the woman created? Because the man asked for it and said, hey, I'd really like a woman. And he didn't know what a woman was. Why? Because God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. So sometimes when we go through difficult things, we wonder, does God care? We all go through seasons with difficult things where we doubt. But from the beginning, God has shown us He knows when something's not good. He sees it when it's truly not good. And He's going to work to make it better. But isn't it interesting that from the get-go He shows that He works with us. He works literally through us in the case of this room. But that's who God is. When you're going through something that's not good, He sees it. He cares about it. He wants to help with it. He's going to work through us to do it. And that's who He is. Anything else that we observe about God in this passage? Lance again? I think it shows that God intended marriage to be a blessing to both. Yeah. God's design is for marriage not to be a burden, not to be a contract, but to be a blessing. Other things that we see about God? Stephen. And one of the things that I find so helpful in navigating that cultural moment that we find ourselves in, and not just us, like whenever this gets described, that was weird for most of the ancient world. The Israelites were really the only ones that abided by that. You know, when you read through the apostles' letters and they're having to remind the Christians all the time, don't be sexually immoral, don't be sexually immoral. That's because most people were sexually immoral. Like, so what we're seeing and we're like, oh, society has actually like been society all along. Ever since sin entered the picture, people just break sex bad. We just break it real bad. And that has been true throughout human history since sin came into the picture. But God reveals to his people, but this is how it's meant to be. And there's blessing in that. So that's something that we should not apologize for. But it's something that we should remember there's blessing in that. Most of the world doesn't know this about how God created it. And it really comes down to God's design. Because absent that, how do you determine whether two people come together? Well, do they love each other? And then if you start making that argument, well, that's kind of hard to argue with. Like, well, yeah, I love her, so I mean, if they love them, I don't know. It gets hard. But if you understand that there's a design, that we're not here by accident, that there's a God who created us and he knows what's best for us, and we believe that living our lives and having our relationships in line with God's design is the best version of human existence 
That's a different conversation. Now, sometimes we're not ready to have that conversation because if we're being honest, our marriages are just because, oh, I think he's cute. And then when they're not cute anymore, oh, I think I'm ready to find somebody that makes me feel like a man again. Yeah, I'm going to go find somebody that still thinks I'm cute. So if we treat marriage as bad as anybody, we're not going to be very compelling messengers. But if we appreciate marriage the way God designed it, if we recognize that it's more than just the affections of a moment, though that's a wonderful part of it, but something that God himself has designed, then when we find people out in the world that really just don't even understand what it is, we can show them how good it is to do things God's way. But this is a passage that gets quoted again and again in the New Testament. Jesus quotes this passage. The Apostle Paul quotes this passage. So there is something critical here about what it means to be human, about human relationship that's important for us to wrap our minds around. But it is not a message that you're going to see when you go home and turn on your TV. It's not a message that you're going to hear from politicians. So we've got to listen to God and let Him be our source of truth. We'll get it wrong otherwise. John? That's right. So let's use that to segue then into what this tells us about people. So ladies first, what do we learn about people here? Did you really just raise your hand, Jay McClary, after all those warnings? <laughs> no, I told him I'm going to stare at him until a lady goes first. So ladies first. What do you learn about people? That's actually the easier one. There's a lot here. So just whatever's on your head, it's probably right. So say, Karen, thank you, man. So what do we learn about people? That we have a beginning, and it's God. So there is a source of truth. There is something that every one of us has in common. We all come from here. This is the starting point. God is the source, the origin for all of us. What else do we learn about people, Jay? So we see relationship, we see attachment for people. What else do we see for people? Gwen and then Debbie. Yeah. In God's presence and the absence of sin, we can live without shame. 
Debbie? Beautiful thought. So you see, especially as it relates to the origin of women, you were made just right for a man. You were made as a helper fit. Someone to be able to help bring God's image into the world. So that together the world would get filled with God's image. So you've got that purpose. And we as people best achieve that purpose together. Now, as I referenced this morning, there are passages of Scripture where the apostles will talk about the, the gift of singleness. And there are some times where it is better to be single with what's going on in the world and some pressures and persecutions that are there. But as a matter of design, God means us for relationships. I want to point out God created sex and sex is good. I want to be heard publicly saying that from the front of the church building. Because with the world's confusion, sometimes it seems like that's not something we believe or say. So I want to say it clearly, sex is good. God gave it. When we're talking about becoming one flesh, that's part of it. So when God created us, he created us as sexual beings. It is through a man and a woman being intimate that the world gets filled with other people in the image and likeness of God. But we've got to keep it within God's design. And so many of the problems we have in the world today is because we've taken something good God has given and we've moved it outside of his design. And then it becomes corrupt. Then there is shame. Right, Gwen? There is embarrassment. There is hiding. There is violence. There's risk. There's danger. Whenever we have our lives built according to the way God designed them, good things get to be good. They get to be a source of joy. They are literally a gift from God. For a husband and wife to share an intimacy like that, that's a gift. That is God being good. So we don't need to treat it like, oh, icky. But we do need to respect it and keep it within the design that God intended for it. Other things we see about people. Do you guys know what a liberal you hired when I came here four and a half years ago? I'm making the women talk first. I'm saying sex is good. Goodness gracious. What's next? Wearing blue jeans. <laughs> Reading from the ESV. Other things we see about people. We covered it all. Nobody's got something they're thinking that we haven't said yet, that they're just feeling a little too nervous, but if I stall long enough, you'll get the courage and jump in and say it. 
Amity made eye contact with me for just half a second, and then she looked away, so. <laughs> All right, then how can we put this in practice? Ladies first. How will you obey what God tells us about his design? How can we practice this in our lives and relationships? Back when I worked at night, I was a widow then, but um, there was uh, one other person that was married, but everybody else was living with somebody. And um, they were talking about how that it was just as good. And I said, how can you say that when you never had and I said, sex is the cherry on top of the banana split of marriage. You know, it's not necessary for the banana split that it makes it And we all need it. <laughs> but I, she, she didn't, she had no so then if we put that into an I will, one comes to mind. Um, but I would suggest, <laughs> for the sake of my, my darling wife on the front row who's already blushing, <laughs> I will believe that marriage is good. Because that's not something you see on every television show. That's not something you hear out in the world. And frankly, I have heard Christian young people say, oh, it's just a sheet of paper. False. That's wrong. That is not what God says. I will believe marriage is good. That there is a purpose that God has for it. That it is special. Worked with that pretty well, didn't I? Turn that into an I will. Thank you for the cooperation. That's a good partnership. I appreciate it. Do you want to hear what say something, but it's, it's, you know, not on But I just want to say, all the couples in this church, I have to say, I'm not just saying this, are great examples of how a husband and wife situation should be. Yeah. All of you show how much you love your wives in terms of and it is Praise God. It really is. Mm -hmm. So I will show glory to God through my marriage. I will be thankful for my spouse. I will conduct myself towards my spouse in such a way that others give glory to God when they see the love that we share for each other. Sounds like Ephesians 5. wonder if that's going to come up in a sermon soon. <laughs> other I wills, ways we can put this into practice. Karen. What I've always said about marriage is I think um, you have a good marriage is the next thing in heaven. Mm -hmm. Apostle Paul agrees. Put God first. I will put God first. I'll put his design, I'll put his purpose first. How about the husbands in here? Let's have the husbands jump in a little bit. What's an I will that you can take away from this? We have quite a few as we first started seeing them. I 
I'm terrible with that. I'm That's why we need God to teach us, right? I mean, listen. I've always thought of myself as being a problem solver. She starts talking, I need to get back and listen to the problem and not try to solve it. And one of the beautiful things to remember in all of this, and part of the blessing of having Sunday morning and Sunday night. <laughs> And there's a trifecta. I had the women talk first, I wear blue jeans, and now we have instrumental music. <laughs> Going completely off the deep end. What was I saying? I was saying something. This is part of the blessing of having Sunday morning for men and Sunday evening focused on women because you do not have to apologize for being a problem solver. That's a blessing. It is not a bad thing to be a problem solver. God created you to be active. He created you to do stuff. But he created us to be together. And part of that means exercising those skills to be what she needs us to be too. So you don't have to be embarrassed or feel ashamed that you are inclined to solve problems. But you do want to be aware of it and appreciate how God created her too and be what she needs you to be. Right? So it's not a beat up the guys sort of thing. Because that's where the world goes with this. Right? We're not perfect. That's right. As evidenced by the fact we're all wearing clothes. Because we'd all be naked if you weren't. No. But yes, so there's going to be situations where we need each other. You know, there are going to be times and it's because God made it that way where those differences are better because they're together. That there'll be things where we want to do that you're going to slow us down. There's going to be things that you're sort of nervous about but we make you feel better about it because we're there with you and we're going to be that rock. There's going to be ways that we are able to be better together because God made it that way. But we need to trust that design. So absolutely, brothers can listen. Brothers can pull close. Especially when you're going through a difficult time or especially when you're disagreeing, those are going to be the times where you're just kind of like, I don't even want to talk right now. But the way God created her, she needs you to pull her close. Those aren't the times for the silent treatment. Those aren't the times where I'm going out with the buddies. No, like those times where you're struggling. Those are the times you need to pull it close. Other I wills? I will appreciate her as a helper, as part of her, my helper. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times that you want to do the man thing and just internalize it and just try and face it yourself and not say anything, but you need to be the right help. That is excellent, Nick. Very good, I will. Any others? And as we reflect on the day as a whole, as we've gotten started with seeing God's design for men and women between the morning and the evening, who needs this that you're going to tell? What could be something from the experience today that you could take one of the passages we've read, that you could take just the way we've talked about it, just anything from today that going into this week you want to try to share with somebody? What do you think? When? 
So Gwen gives us a couple of great illustrations right there. So for those of us who are parents, imparting this to our children, me recognizing part of my job for Rachel is to help her know that God made her special. Part of my job for Asher is to teach him how to be a man in God's image and likeness. So there's that imparting to children, as Gwen said, but then there's also that reality that a lot of people are hurting because they find themselves in situations that aren't what God wanted for them. That there are patterns and there are relationships and people and situations that just because of sin make it painful. So when we encounter people that find themselves in painful situations... Look for that opportunity to share hope. God's ability to work through, God's ability to bring blessing, that it won't always be the way that it is now, that we make it that way. But God has the answers. And God can help. Other things that we might share from the experience. Thanks. great opportunity to share. You know, I like to do sort of the funny ice-breaking stuff with folks, especially outside of church, right? So tomorrow morning, so how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. It was ladies' night at church last night. (laughs) What? And then you can tell them, like, yeah, we're just looking at the series of what God tells us we're supposed to be as men and what we're supposed to be as women. And it's really interesting. And you just plan it. If that's as far as the conversation goes, that's still a seed plant. So if you think you're funny, like I think I'm funny, you can put that one in your quiver and you can have it ready. That could be one to use in the next couple of days when it comes up. Because usually ladies' night means something else. Wouldn't normally have it at church. But they take so many things from us, I like taking some stuff back every once in a while. Any other things that we would want to say as opportunities to share? Are you scared, excited, or indifferent about this series? I'll feel love. <laughs> Good answer, Wade. I'll take it. As well you should be. <laughs> <laughs>